Hit on the ground, a short. Go to second, force in time. Ball game over. American League Division Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Never gets old. Not the Yankees winning, that gets old. But John Sterling. Actually, the Yankees haven't won a great deal lately, so I guess you could say that it has gotten old. Why, why are you starting the show like that? Don't, don't hate. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. It's a great series coming up, Yankees and Astros. I, well, I think if you're – I'll tell you what. I mean, between the Phillies-Padres, Phillies we talked about. The Phillies-Padres is going to be great baseball. We saw that last night. Astros-Yankees could be a bit more of a tire fire. Uh, as Aaron Boone tries to, you know, make chicken salad out of out of his bullpen. But uh, first of all, before we get into this, kudos to you. Yesterday we were talking mm. about X factors and blah 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 blah. And as usual, I overthought <laughs> it. Glaber Torres would be an X factor. Yeah. Steve well, did walk would twice. be an X factor. Yeah. Mr. Barker said, "Nah, Giancarlo Stanton." Which I thought was kind of easy because, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge. Giancarlo Stanton's home run yesterday, Kevin. That put the Yankees on the way to their win. Lots to talk about uh, today, so I want to get to it right away. Jeff Passan joins us at 1130. We'll talk about the NLCS, which got started yesterday. 2 nothing. the Phillies beating the San Diego Padres. The ALCS gets going today to, in, in Houston. We'll talk about that, Yankees-Astros. Let's put a bow on the uh, Yankees and Cleveland Guardians, though, in the division series yesterday. Kevin Barker, look, I know Terry Francona getting second guest for starting Aaron Savali. We walked through the decision. You made an interesting comment, I thought. Um, it, the decision not to go with Shane Bieber, the decision not to bring Shane Bieber out of the bullpen, you made the point that it, it's not that Terry Francona managed the game to lose, but I think Terry Francona approached the game like a guy who had an eye on 2023. Doesn't want to risk Shane Bieber to win a series knowing that he's likely going to be you know, eviscerated by the Houston Astros anyhow. And I, the reason I, I, I brought that up is... Dusty Baker in his media availability yesterday was talking about this whole thing. And I, I, I did an article on this on sportsnet.ca. This whole thing about pitchers being used on short rest, pitchers coming out of the bullpen in the postseason. And he, he, it was interesting hearing him, you know, as Dusty would do, sort of talking his way through things, Kevin. And then he said, you know, I often wonder, and this is paraphrasing, but he said, I often wonder whether when I look at the careers of Matt Cain, Tim Lincecum, and Madison Bumgarner, guys he managed with the Giants, and guys that that, that Bruce Bochy managed with the Giants. And he wasn't criticizing Bruce, but he was saying, I often wonder if maybe the way they weren't used in the postseason didn't contribute to their careers being shortened. And, and I thought about that when, when you talked about Shane Bieber as well and, and the decision that Terry Francona made. And I think it's right. I, I, I think... In, in the case of Terry Francona, you kind of do manage with an eye towards 2023. You don't want to 
shred Shane Bieber's arm. You kind of owe it to Shane Bieber, don't you? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's about 2023. I think it's more about the player. I think that had a lot to do with it. I also think that he thought that he had a really good bullpen. They were all rested, the guys that mattered. If he could get Savali through maybe two innings and then turn it over to the bullpen, which it worked after Savali came out. Yeah, the, uh, the Guardians didn't score. That was the issue. They didn't score. Uh, uh, yeah, you sort of knew that, right? It, you know, the third inning with, with Ramirez up at the bases loaded and one out, that was sort of the at-bat. You had your guy up. You were down 4 nothing. You know, he ran into one. He pulled foul. Uh, it was, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez trying to keep him away from the short portion right. That's what you do. That's why you flip all those lefties around to get him to use the bigger part of the field, which is left field and left center field instead of that little short portion right. We saw two big donkeys. I said this to you to passing, I don't know, a couple of months ago saying that that's home field advantage that little short porch and right is home field advantage when it comes to you got big donkeys for the yankees trying to hit it over there they know they don't have to hit it too hard if they get a little extension joe carlos stanton's swing is terrible like he is just not his front foot's not landing in the same spot all the time he his bat is dragging doesn't look very quick it's long it looks like a windmill but just that little short porch and right he knows he just tap it just tap it and stay through it a little bit. You don't have to be perfect with your lower half. If you stay somewhat balanced, you know, his takes got a little bit better yesterday. That's a big deal with him because of the way he starts his swing. You know, he's closed off the way he is. Everybody can pitch the way he looks. And just being able to use that little short porch and right is a big deal. But, yeah, with Terry Francona, I think it has an accumulation of, of knowing that he had the bullpen. I just don't understand why it was Savali. Like, use an mm. opener that throws a bazillion miles an hour. Use a guy that can give you two innings that's used to use doing Trevor, that. Use the Anybody. Stephen dude or something Anybody. like that. Yeah. Oh, well, I, yeah. I think, I I think you'd rather I I think you'd rather use him when you have the lead because he's one of your main guys, but you could use somebody else. It doesn't have to be Savali. I think for me, if you're a Cleveland fan, that's the one thing is why Savali? Like, I just – with him not pitching in 13 days, and, and you sort of knew that's the way it was going to look, right? You walk a guy, you hit a guy, and it's somebody that's big and looks like a donkey. Can you hit that little right, that little short porch and right? That's sort of the way it was going to look. But, you know, again, they had a really good season. We didn't think they'd get this far. They got a lot right. to build on. They're sort of like the Jays. You're running that organization. You you have no doubt in what you need in the offseason. They need power hitters. There's no doubt. They could be lefty, could be righty. It doesn't matter. Sort of like the Jays. You need power pitching. You need left-handed hitters. So, they had a really good season uh, for me just because one team had home field advantage. I think the better team won and is moving on to, you know, hopefully have a really good series, and maybe that'll go six or seven. Kevin, Giancarlo Stanton has now hit 11 home runs and 77 postseason at-bats, which is like, I don't know, what does it work out, the one home run for every seven at-bats or something like that. Yeah, boy. Um, you look at his numbers – you look at where he stands with other Yankees players and understand that he's played more postseason games. We forget that guys like Ruth and Gehrig and Barrett, they didn't have wild card series and ALDSs, right? They went, but all that aside, 11 postseason homers and 77 at-bats. Can we say that he's clutching the postseason? Yeah, I don't see why you couldn't. I, I, I think he... Uh, is a guy that if you're on a, an opposing team, you have to game plan for him, even when he looks the way he's been looking. I mean, what was he going into yesterday, like one for 16? And he looked like he had no chance. Uh, he sort of yesterday looked like he had no chance anyway. Uh, you don't throw him a little cement mix and whatever thing, that slider cutter thing that was thigh high, a little middle away. If you don't throw him that, you get him out. So uh, 
I, I, I sort of want to say that, yeah, he's clutch. But if you make a decent pitch to him, I think you can get him out just because of the way his lower half looks, the way he, he plays a lot of catch-up. He's rarely balanced, at least this year. It just looks like he's in between. But I'll say this, man, when it push comes to shove, in that lineup, you could argue, if you're a Yankees fan, he'd be one of the guys you'd want up when it matters mm-hmm. the most. You could honestly say that, I think, and, and that's just a feather in their cap. They're going to need him. Like, they're going to need him and Judge and, and – Anthony Rizzo and and whoever else at the bottom of that lineup to get smoking hot if they think they're going to have any chance of beating that big bad Astros team in in Houston. Yeah, I mean I'm calling the and I'm going to call the Astros in five. I mean I I generally well you, you know, know that I, I don't gonna, every time you call something it never works out. So I know, but I'm not yeah. going to go six or seven because that's a coward's way out. At some point somebody's going to bum rush somebody, and I think that this is a series uh, where that where that happens. I mean. With all due respect to Wandy Peralta, the dude did appear in every game in this series. Like, and and I don't I don't know if I don't know if Wandy Peralta gets it done against the Astros. Now he's going to run into. You'd have to say that the one thing you do know, if you're Aaron Boone right now, your bullpen's a mess. You do know that you're going that you were going to put Wandy Peralta out there against Jordan Alvarez at some point. You know that that matchup is going to occur more than once in this series. I think one one interesting thing too is how the Astros handle Yankee Stadium. You know, they they did a better job this year, but it's just that the the whatever it is in Yankee Jose Stadium, Al. they they yeah, have to you know get I got to tell you man, somehow. Jose Altuve, he was a beast at Yankee Stadium. I don't think year. it's their lineup. I don't think it's their lineup. I think it's their bullpen. I think it's their closer. Their closer's been atrocious in Yankee Stadium. I mean, he was better this year, I think a couple of games that he did pitch there. But that's the thing, right? Is that crowd you got to lead? Can you hold it tie game? You bring your closer in and Dusty, right? Dusty's sort of the X factor too. He's got a plethora of guys. If there's any year that man, I can't believe I'm yeah, even saying this that know, Dusty know, can't can't screw this up cuz you look at their rotation, you look at the guys that got out of the bull Bullpen, they got Kevin, whatever it takes to get their, anybody out. Their bullpen was second in the ba- in Major League Baseball in WHIP this year. It's really good. They've added three guys who made eighty-one starts this year to the bullpen, the postseason, basically. Well, I mean, Garcia, Vald, uh, sorry, Garcia, Javier, and Urquidy combined made eighty-one starts this year. So uh, he's got you, you, plethora is the right word. I it's going to be interesting to see what he does with Garcia. Uh, the way this thing is set up, there's no off day. Uh, there's only one off day, I should say, a travel day between game two and three. So the interesting decision is going to be who pitches games three and four for these guys. You would like to think – now, he went with Lance McCullers on the road. Yeah, but you'd like to think you want McCullers at home at Minute Maid Park. His numbers at Minute Maid Park are much better than on the, than on the road. There's like a the, – the ERA is much better. But, um, it, you know, if he plans this right, he's going to be able to go with Verlander and Framber Valdez or whoever's number two starter is in regular rest. In in a, you know he he's got enough depth that he can do that. Yeah, for me it's not this guy; it's Verlander. Verlander's got to be Zach Wheeler esque. Like he's got to go out and dominate. He's got to give them seven of however many one or two yeah. run ball. They got to win the to you know tonight's game for me anyway. That makes no, it just I'm a little you, bit easier. Some no brainers. They're expected to win this thing. Like it's there. There's no question now that they are the front runner. And being the front runner is not always the easiest thing to be. And for me, the best guy's got to be the best guy. And that starts tonight. If you're a Houston fan, with Justin Verlander. Last time out, his fastball command stunk. 
Yeah. Too many balls now, down the middle of the plate. He does that because of the short porch and right, the short porch and left. The Yankees lineup's of, better than enough to know how to use that to their advantage. So keep it out of the middle of strike zone. Couple of things. He's 0-3 with an ERA of 597 in his last five postseason starts. He's going to make this start on seven days rest. He made his last start on seven days rest. You know, he said that he 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 thought that was less of an of an issue uh, than some some mechanical things that he said he straightened around. He thought that maybe there were some lingering mechanical issues from his calf injury, the stuff that that Adam Wainwright talked yeah. about. But it, that's it, that's a great point you make. I mean, we look at Justin Verlander. Uh, as the guy who is, you know, with a win, I think he's tied with John Smoltz for second place in the all-time playoff wins list. He is at night with 15. This will be his 32nd yeah. playoff start. Like We the, look the ex- at him. The excuses of the seven-day rest for me is non-existent with him. He, he's been there and done it before. He understands how to do it. It's fastball command, and it's throwing enough breaking balls to be a little bit more unpredictable so you can miss location occasionally. He's got to be Verlander. That's me. That game will go. Uh, that'll be the eight o'clock start tonight on uh, on Sportsnet as uh, the Astros and Yankees begin their best of seven American League Championship Series. Jameson Tyon against Justin Verlander. The Yankees will be without Aaron Hicks, uh, who underwent an MRI and is done with a knee injury. I know I'm I'm rolling my eyes. Will be without Aaron Hicks. He hasn't been much of a factor this season. As a matter, I would of fact, say Yankees fans are clapping. Probably, I would. Th- yeah, I don't think Yankees. Fans not because are he's hurt, hurt, but he's interesting not decision though. Here, Kevin, how do you play left field? Do you put Stanton in left field, or do you go with uh, with uh, Cabrera uh, in left field and leave Stanton as a DH? Yeah, I, th- I, don't, I don't think Stanton, with the injuries that he's had, he hasn't played the outfield I saw since July, which so is you a go very, with, which is you very long. You move Cabrera over to left field, the kid. A- absolutely. The kid yeah, I think so. That. I think you have to do that. You know, there, there's going to be – you'd rather play a little bit more defense. I know, again, the, the Crawford box is a short porch. There is some weird – angles out there you got to be careful with you know Bader's a really good defender in center field he'll help out the kid in left field so yeah I don't for me anyway you want Stanton doing offensive things forget about the defensive side and and you know if the starter's good enough if Aaron Boone's good enough for going to the right guy the Yankees will have a chance if they're not might be a short series all right let's move on and uh talk about the NLCS shall we uh (laughs) My goodness, Kyle Schwarber and uh, and Bryce Harper. I look at that lineup, and I compare that lineup to the Blue Jays lineup. And I, well, I'm just going to let you take over from here, Kevin, because no. now I'm going to let you take over here and talk about the importance of balance in this. In yeah, this yeah, not, not, situation. Not, obviously, Schwarber and and Harper are different animals. Those are elite left-handed hitters. Now, Schwarber, you can get him out. You make a decent pitch. You throw one down the middle. He will go way up like he did last night. But the first thing I got to be honest with you, when I saw the two lefties, because it, it was basically you saw Darvish on the mound. He's right-handed. Obviously, he's got a bazillion different pitches. He's throwing 73 to 97. And you see the lefties. The home run was the the four-seamer. It looked to me like a two-seamer. Two-seamer mm-hmm. that was up in a way that Harper ran out the left field. If you're facing the Jays lineup, that's a pop-out to center field. The the cement mixing cutter slider thing that he threw to Schwarber, uh, that's a ground ball to shortstop. 
instead of a home run. That, for me, is the difference, right? Now, obviously, those two hitters are different. They're different animals, and I'm not saying otherwise, but I'm saying, you know, when you got a guy on the mound in Darvish who has the complete package, he's got everything for everybody. Again, he's got different speeds. You never know what to look for. It's funny to listen to the two dudes. You hear Harper in the dugout yelling and screaming, sit on the hater, sit on the hater, and it was obvious that Schwarber was sitting spin. It was obvious. Like the way he would take his swings, the way he took fastballs, he was late on the heater. When he did square up balls, it was off something spinning. So it's just funny, right? If you want to go deep in the playoffs, you need balance. I mean, we're going to yell and scream this to her blue in the face, but it's obvious. You look at the good teams, you look at teams, especially when you're facing elite dudes who can add and subtract and get a bunch of right-handed hitters out. You need some lefties that occasionally, when a guy throws a cutter down the middle or elevates a two-seamer, I say it's a two-seamer. They say it's a four-seamer. Whatever it is, it's a little elevated. You need to make the guy pay for it. Can the Blue Jays do that against that guy? Probably not. So that's the first thing I thought of. But those are elite guys. Zach Wheeler's elite. The heater is special. There are certain Mm. guys at the big league level, Jeff. Zach Wheeler's one of these that can give you the old, here it is. I'm throwing a heater to you. I don't think you can hit it. Most people can't hit it. Like, it's got late giddy up to it. It, It's got run to it. Uh, It's located perfectly. When he's got the slider and the breaking ball, he can backdoor that thing. He can eliminate the righties with the slider. He can backfoot a lefty with the slider. But for me, the fastball, this time of the year, when you got the gear, and you can go to it, and everybody knows you're going to it. You can still go to it. That's elite stuff. So, Zach Wheeler is the reason why the Phillies got a chance to go to the World Series. Yeah, I have to admit that uh, you know, maybe it's because he's a National League pitcher. Uh, of course, I look, I understand how good he is, and you know, you, we follow along as much as we can. But, man, watching him this postseason, like watching him pitch to pitch, I underestimated how good he was, Kevin. I really did. I also like, too, that he, he basically took himself out in the eighth inning or the yes. seventh inning. I like that, yes. too. I like I a guy too. that can walk up to his pitching coach, his manager, and go, hey, dude, I'm done. I've given you everything I got. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to go out there and put my team in jeopardy when the game is as close as it is. You got you know, you got a righty and a lefty throws a bazillion miles an hour. Use them. Sir, Sir Anthony, here you come. And then Alvarado throwing a bazillion left-handed used to two guys. And that's exactly what happened. So I like that part of it too, right? You, you put your mm-hmm. ego aside. You think about the team first. I love that part of it. But I'm with you, dude. He's got nasty stuff. It's easy. He locates it. It's got good movement. It's got late movement to it. And when you got a secondary pitch that you can steal a strike, that makes you unpredictable. And this is the error of the guesser. Again, I just – Challenge people to go back and listen to Bryce Harper yelling and screaming in the dugout, telling everybody after he hits the homer to sit on the heater. And then I think it was Ken that walked up and had the conversation. Yeah. And he, Bryce said, I, I am. I'm sitting on heater. I'm not looking for the 73, the 82, the, the 86, the 89. The, why would I look for all that? I'm going to try and look for something straight and hard as many times as I can and try and put my best swing on it. And then you flip it over to Schwarber, you know, who's basically a 200 hitter who can hit a, a ball a bazillion miles who's thinking a little different his game mm-hmm. is to hit a homer so it's just intriguing to listen to two different guys go about it in two different ways and it's you know it's not always the exact right way to do it it's just however it works for you but i got yeah I, I gotta tell you those in-game interviews with cool. the oh the in-game interviews with they with, are. with with bryce harper in particular like you're getting you're you're getting inside. One of the things I really like about Bryce Harper, people don't give him enough credit for this because they're you know he's a flashy guy and he's been around. If you listen to Bryce Harper talk, 
if you listen to his media availabilities, he is one of the most engaging baseball players around. He really is. Is he flashy? Like to, uh, in well, I mean, era, no, 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 is he flashy? no, no, no. Like, but when I mean coming up, right? He was the guy that was what he was playing yeah. in the majors when he was nineteen. Got the big money. He was the guy whose family basically spent two million dollars having that's him travel called, all over the country. That's called to, growing up. That's called growing up. That that's yeah. called making an adjustment. And you know we talk about that with Alec Manoa all the time. It's the rubbing up the ball, staring at the hitter. Why? Why bring yeah. that unwanted attention to yourself? I mean, he does all the clapping and the high fiving and the and the you know I think he did the salute when he runs around third. That's simple. That's easy. That's to say that I'm really good. You know it, I know it, and I'm going to give you it bad every single time I go up. I just, I got to play with him. I got to meet him. I got to talk to him. I got to hang out with him. And I told you this when I went to spring training this year. He's the best hitter. He's the best player I saw there. He does elite stuff offensively. Mm -hmm. uh, him by making the little two-part adjustment to his swing. You remember he used to have the higher leg kick. Yep. It was very hard, hard for him for the talent and the mechanics and what he's going to swing at to be all meshed together. And now it's just he's, you see he's simplified it. Like his, his leg kick's not as high. He's got that little gather that he does his first time to set the anchor with his back leg, that weight on the inside of his part of his back knee, just to allow him to feel that first. And now it's recognizing pitch, get his pitch, and let the talent, the bat speed, and the hand-eye coordination and being able to go line to line take over. That's elite dude. With him as hot as he is and Zach Wheeler now being able to maybe get – three starts in seven games i don't know jeff i mean that'd no, be tough to, that's tough to beat dude it it, it really it, it really is i think a lot of us may have been sleeping on the may have been sleeping on the phillies i was the defense still scares the hell out of me you're stinks reese hoskins reese hoskins kevin well i want i want you i want you to talk about reese hoskins defense you're a first baseman and you I keep saying you made an interesting point off there, and I want to bring it on here. But you did. Just talk to me a bit about what you're seeing from Reese Hopkins. Is it possible? <laughs> Is it possible that a first baseman can get the? I'm not going to call it the yips, but the first baseman can almost kind of fall into a funk defensively. Is that don't possible? throw it to me? Don't throw it to me. Don't throw yeah. it to me. Yeah, I've been there before because I get sometimes you get a little too straight armed. Whenever you're going to catch a ball, you get a little straight arm. You need to be as loosey-goosey with your glove hand as you possibly can. You want to give with the baseball. The reason why that is is because every dude that's throwing to you throws it in different ways. They'll sidearm it. They'll throw it over top. they throw it at different miles an hour. It's got different movement to it. That's why you got to be real loosey-goosey with your hands. When you get stiffed arm, you tend to have the ball being around the hill of your glove and you don't catch it the way you want to catch it and then all of a sudden you start getting in that mode of uh oh mm. you know don't throw it to me and that's very hard to do when you're a first baseman so yep. yeah it's it's you know I think again he feeds off of what he does offensively when he's struggling offensively I think he tries to make up for it and do too much defensively when he just needs to try and stay within himself I know that's baseball 101 and everybody rolls their eyes when they hear that but it's true it's true. These guys are hitters first when they're, especially yeah. when you're playing a corner and, and you're expected to, you know, you're hitting second in a team that can go to the world series. You're expected to do things offensively. And then you try too hard on the defensive side and you may get too stiff with that glove hand and the ball just don't go where it wants to go. So yeah, it, you can get into those little mixes for if you're a Phillies fan, hopefully he starts hitting a little bit more and he doesn't have to worry about his defense so much. Uh, a, a couple of things about that. And, and, and it's not, we saw Jose Altuve have that issue a couple of years ago in the postseason. And, throwing. and you know, he corrected it, throwing. Yeah. I mean, it does happen. It, it doesn't have to be a, 
a thing, uh, you know, where it turns into Steve Sachs, where it wrecks your career, or Mackie Sasser, where it wrecks your career. It doesn't have to turn into something like that. It can just be a, it can, it can just be a couple of days. For whatever reason, it can just be a couple of days. But in the postseason, of course, in the postseason, everything's magnified. And the other thing about Reese Hoskins, you know, at, at, uh, Matt Gelb, who covers the, uh, covers the Phillies, wrote a terrific article on Reese Hoskins. And everything about the Phillies in the last seven or eight years, you know, the, the fan discontent, the bad decisions, all that. Reese Hoskins at one point was supposed to be the guy for this franchise. And he yeah. wears a lot of the a lot of the grief, a lot of the angst of Phillies fans. It's been directed at him and he's been around for a lot of it. And he wears he wears a lot of it. And it was a it was a really a good story about how he is probably the singularly most beloved person in that team by his teammates. Right? I think it was Bryce Harper said, hey, if anybody's a spokesman for us, if anybody's a guy, our guy in this team, it's Reese Hoskins. And I, and I, I think some of that comes into play here in the postseason. I, I really do. Yeah, trying hard in in the in the big leagues is, a lot of the times doesn't work, and that's what, sort of what you see him trying to do, right? It was whenever he hit the homer against the Braves and he threw his bat through the ground because just because he's trying to let it out, he's trying so hard, he was struggling yeah. so much, he, they just weren't doing anything. Him and Schwarber were struggling like crazy. One for like the last thirty four, they were punching out all the time. And that wasn't just, a guy showing off. That was a guy. Oh, thankfully, finally, finally, exactly. I, I, I did something to help my team and. You sort of see it on both sides of the ball. It, it's hard to be a Philly, Jeff. I think mm. you know this better than mm-hmm. most people. And the people that I've talked to, ex-players that have played in Philadelphia, it's not the easiest thing. It's worse than New York. Oh, it's, it's just yeah, not I keep the telling easiest people, thing. So it's worse than New York. Take, takes a special mind to do it. And you can tell he's a good dude. He's a good teammate. Uh, he's a good player. I mean, he's, yeah, he's he a, is. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a lot of power. He can go line to line. He's a decent defender. And they're going to need him, but... Look, the Phillies seem to got something. Like when you got Bryce Harper going the way Bryce Harper's going, it just seems funny. Like everything else falls into place, right? Well, yeah, it it doesn't, and it's. I'm finding every postseason, and maybe we'll talk to Passing about this, but every postseason when the national media kind of gathers around a team, you get a guy, you get a team that kind of that opens up, and you get a team that shows you. A lot about themselves and I really get the sense that this Phillies team just even the reaction to Rob Thompson coming out in the mound yesterday because he wanted to settle guys down after the play at second base mm-hmm. the Phillies are talking about that and you, you get the sense that by the time this is done we are really going to like this team like I've said I don't like watching them play because I, I, I they're not a good I, I defensive just, team it's hard yeah, to watch them play I think they are when they're bad they are one of the hardest teams in baseball to watch no question they just are but mm-hmm. man when you see them do what they're doing now and you hear them and 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 you just see the body language it's uh it's it's pretty easy to it's pretty easy to look at that team and and start thinking you know what it, Kind of fun seeing those guys in the World Series. Boy, it is amazing how good your team can look when your starting pitcher looks as good as Zach Wheeler looked yesterday. Huh? Oh, it is, isn't it? It's it's amazing. Again, if you're a team that's on the verge, like the Blue Jays, and you're looking at these teams who are making runs at these things, they're all doing it the same way. Like there there there's there's no secret sauce to this thing. There's no super you know city underneath the ground unless you're a Ray <laughs> with super khakis trying to figure out little ways to beat all these teams. No, it's me against you. My starter's better than you. Most of the time, I'm going to beat you, and and that's sort of 
what we're seeing now, and then you'll get an occasional hit. That's that's how this is how, sort sort of how this is making out. So yeah, it's going to be an intriguing series, and and I'm with you. Right now, it looks like the Phillies all got it going in the right direction. Yeah, it really does. And I made this point a little earlier, and I will I will die in this hill. I've covered baseball in a lot of cities. New York's a big city, obviously, but I'm telling you, the two hardest places to play are Philadelphia and Boston. The two hardest places to play. Uh, they just are. Yankee, and you know what? Maybe it's a little different with Yankee Stadium now because the new Yankee Stadium is much more corporate. The old Yankee Stadium used to be a little more blue-collar. It was rougher. The fans were a little nastier. That's less less likely now. But, yeah, Philadelphia and, and Boston, there's there's nothing that compares to those two cities in terms I, I, I would, of I, well, I'd almost, on you. I would almost think if you're Bob Melvin, you got to treat this like Game 7 because you go down 2 nothing and have to go to Philly to play yeah. game three when it's ba- basically do or die. So this is for me. I, I I mean, I guess it's hard to say game two could be must win. But if you're Bob Melvin and the Padres, this is about as must win as it's going to get. Yeah, because your next three games are in Philadelphia. Are in Philly. And yep. you got, you know, the good news is you do got you do have Blake Snell going, mm-hmm. which is good. Of course, the Phillies also have a pretty good starting pitcher uh, in, in Aaron Nola. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, look. You're right. If, if that that what we saw yesterday, that's how the Phillies win games. That's how they're going to have to win. Starting pitching and Schwarber and Harper are going to have to do something, and then whatever else you get from the anybody else's gravy. That's really yeah. And I wonder really what, what the weather's going to be like in Philadelphia too. So San Diego's got that to yep. deal with. I haven't looked at the weather, but I'm assuming it's not going to be good that kind of time of the year. It's sort of like it is in Toronto, the what we're dealing with now. So. Yep. Yeah, you got the weather to deal with, and you got the the, the rowdy crowd to deal with. So I, I'm going to say it right now. It's a must win for the Padres if they want to move on and go to the World Series. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider and senior baseball reporter. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it is a breaking ball. so quick and explosive that it didn't take much to get this ball. I mean, I, I, if you got a ticket, you're not thinking there's any chance you're getting the ball. No, you didn't bring your glove. No. Dude's holding this baby. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> what a great call. It's great. Kyle Schwarber's home run yesterday it was a bazillion miles an hour. I love what Bryce Harper said about it afterwards. The ball got small real quick. It did. <laughs> it it, it did. really did. Uh, welcome back to Blair and Barker. Uh, DMs are open, by the way, for Barker's back leg bits, which is, uh, and the reason I mentioned that uh, at this point in time, and we'll deal, with, uh, we'll deal with it at the end of the show as well, but uh, Jesse Glazer has sent in a uh, question, and I want to bring Jeff Passan. Uh, of ESPN in on this question because it's uh, before we deal with the postseason. I, I did want to ask Jeff about this. Uh, Jesse Glazer asks, what do you think is going on with John Schneider? It seems odd that we're still waiting for an announcement, and each day that goes by, I feel more and more 
confused about the situation. So I want to bring Jeff Passan on, uh, ESPN's MLB insider. And as I said, we'll deal with the postseason in a minute. But uh, Jeff, this is what we know. When Ross Atkins addressed the media in Toronto a couple of days after the team's elimination, he didn't come out and say that the job was John Schneider's. He said that John Schneider is the perfect candidate. He said that he didn't think it would be easy to find a more perfect candidate than John Schneider. He also said, though, that, quote, this is an organization that believes in a process. We have a process for everything. And he said, you won't be surprised to know that including in that list of everything is how we go about hiring our manager. We also know that Major League Baseball doesn't necessarily like teams to make announcements in the middle of what it calls its jewel events. Sometimes you can do it on an off day, but by and large, they prefer to have uh, announcements such as a manager being rehired. They, they, they prefer to have that done away from these events. So is there? should we be reading anything into this, Jeff? Like, are you hearing anything at all? And, and, you know, making it the matter even more complicated is, quite frankly, everybody in the organization's told all of us off the record that they think John Schneider's coming back. I, I just, I've heard nothing to the contrary. And, frankly, I can't fathom a scenario in which he's not the manager for the Blue Jays next year. I don't know, maybe, like, does he say I want to be paid like, you know, Dave Roberts, Terry Francona, guys who have been around? No, because he's not stupid. But that that's the only possibility I can think of where John Schneider is not managing this team next year. He is the manager of the present. He is the manager of the future, period, end of story. All right, let's move on. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm with you. I just I know that fans have been asking this question, and I've kind of operated. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not an unreasonable question to ask. I mean, no, it's one don't. of those things where you figure they like they make the playoffs, they should just make it official then the way that the Phillies did with Rob Thompson, right? Yeah. Okay, let me ask both of you, is there is there a date where you guys go, uh-oh, maybe they pivot and they're looking elsewhere? For a manager? At, well, because it's been, I don't know, it's been, we'll say, 11, 12 days. Say it goes all the way to the end of the World Series. Yeah, then is, I think it, I think there's an issue then. And I don't know if it's an issue or if it's. Uh, oh, I don't. I, I, I don't. What does what, what it? What does it? What does it matter when it's announced? I think internally they're just operating like he's going to be the manager next year. Does, does the does a formal announcement like make a difference? Maybe. Well, with the way they handle it in Philadelphia, it sure makes it right. Where that's the a little guy. different, though. Is it? Yeah, Philadelphia didn't lose. Sorry, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you don't want to be. You got me. You don't want to have this question come up every manager at the podium. Hey, oh, Rob, congratulations on beating the Padres in the first game. You think you're coming back next year? Yeah, you, you don't want that necessarily happen. Listen, I'll also throw this out. I think that there may be something going on with the coaching staff more than anything else. I think there's some give well and take said. going on right now with, uh, especially this is just me, especially with the hitting coach position, and and I think there may be a little bit of uh, I want this guy, you want this guy. Somebody else yep. in a khaki thinks this guy is good. Uh, we coach, want to promote from within. Yep. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, do let's move wear, on. Do people wear khakis anymore? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, in my man. world, they do. <laughs> Parker uses <laughs> Hawaiian khakis all the time to describe, <laughs> oh, you know, the, the underground what the, city. What the hell world do you, what world do you 
world do you live in where khakis or something where, where yeah. you're effusive? You're like, in my world, they do. Hey, well, Pastor, Parker, you, you, but here's the thing. I, I'm just going to paint a picture for you. <laughs> Black horned rimmed glasses, tape around the corner, khakis pulled up to your breasts. Um, not running Urkel. shoes, you know, running shoes, the 1999 running uh, shoes, and then pencils and pens inside a pocket clip. Barker thinks everybody with the raised dresses like that, and he also the, thinks that there's an underground city at the Rogers Center where these people, like, they're they're controlling everything that goes on. That's Barker refers to maybe them I'll, Maybe I should call Dave Roberts and ask him what they look like. Anyhow, that, wow. that's... Wow. So, hold on. So nerds. See, I actually like I'm I'm with you on the whole nerds in khakis thing. But I, I think I think the nerds in baseball today are a different breed, perhaps, than than you than you remember or than you recognize. Nice talk I'm not radio. saying that we have I'm not saying that we have a bunch of like cool nerds. But I, I think that uh, the, the notion that we have pocket protected, like gray, gray, gray New Balance wearing, Rada like, Schwinn to work. Yep, yep. No, 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 no. They wouldn't be on a Schwinn. They'd be on an e-bike. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Thinking absolutely. of the environment. Yeah, yeah. Saving money. Uh, Barker's convinced. Like uh, you know, he, he's convinced. This is Barker's version of the deep state, passing. This is Barker's version of baseball's deep state. There's a bunch of dudes in khakis who have already figured out who's going to win the World Series. That's just that's they the know way already. he rolls. Yeah. That's the way he rolls. I mean, clear, clearly, clearly they wanted the Yankees to win the division series against <laughs> Cleveland, right? No question. That's why Bieber uh, didn't throw. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, let's put a bow on that Cleveland-New York series. Uh, any issue with Terry Francona going with Aaron Savali? I, I don't know this for a fact, Jeff, but do like why do we think that Terry Francona went with Aaron Savali as opposed to the, the Guardians went to Shane Be- went to Shane Bieber? No, no, go no. The khakis would say go with your best pitcher. Don't go with the guy who hasn't thrown in three weeks. Absolutely. Right. Who, who whoever to to me um, this was I don't know I you know. I understand that guys going on three days rest is hard. It, it wasn't hard back in the 60s because that's what they did. It's hard now because every guy has a routine, and it's both mentally and physically grinding to go on three days. And if a pitcher doesn't want to do it or an organization is concerned that it's putting a guy in a in a position to fail, maybe it's going to uh, have some reticence to do so. Uh, one team started a guy on three days rest and another didn't. And the team that started the guy on three days rest won. And and I'm not saying or suggesting that this is a causative thing, but I would rather have Shane Bieber on three days rest than Aaron Savali on however much rest he had, just as I would rather have Nestor Cortez on three days rest than I would Jameson Tyon on full rest. Yeah, yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. Let's let's move on to the Yankees, the Astros. Uh, Pass and talk me out of the only team that can beat the Astros is the Astros. I'm I'm not going to. I, I actually agree with you on that. I think of the four teams that are remaining now, the Astros are so clearly head and shoulders above the rest of them um, that if they don't win the World Series this year, and it's very rare that I say this, if they don't win the World Series, they don't get a ring on their finger this year, 
they should be disappointed because very rarely does the opportunity line up for a team as talented as the Astros to go into the final four teams as the most obvious and clear talented team. Now, this is baseball. And what I mean when I say that is we've already seen 111 win team lose. We've already seen 201 win teams lose. We see a five and a six seed in a you know bracket with six teams in it vying right now to win the National League pennant. So uh, the Astros, I, I was at their series in Houston and went to Seattle for game three. They are a really, really good baseball team. They have a deep lineup that can hit for power. But more than that, their pitching staff, guys, I don't know if you spent time looking at the depth of their pitching staff, but it's as good of a pitching staff, frankly, as I can remember. Um, with, with Justin Verlander at the top and Framber Valdez and Lance McCullers looked awesome in game three. And Luis Garcia came in and threw five shutout on the back end of that game and six relievers uh, all through shutout baseball uh, in between McCullers and Garcia. It's it's deep. Uh, Dusty Baker, at least in three games so far, has been really good at pushing buttons. And uh, the Yankees are a wounded team coming into this series with a bullpen in which, frankly, I think I could probably I would probably take four or five relievers from the Astros before I take one from the Yankees. You've been up, you've been up close and, du- and personal with Dusty Baker. How has he changed this playoff than in playoffs past? I think it's probably a little too early to determine that. Honestly, um, yeah. I, I want to listen. I want to see how he does in the ALCS against the superior team in New York. And I don't know, by the way, that the Yankees are a significantly superior team to the Mariners. Uh, let's let's just be honest here. Um, the Mariners could have won every one of those games. They were up in the ninth inning before Jordan Alvarez uh, hit that home run. They were up in game two before uh, they blew that lead. And they played 17 square innings of scoreless baseball in game three. So I thought the Mariners acquitted themselves very well. Um, but, you know, the eyes are going to be on Dusty Baker now. They should be. He has been one of the most successful managers in baseball history in terms of games won and still does not have a championship. And that is a black mark on his resume right now. And I, I understand why he is as hungry as he is to win a title because it would be the sort of validation, I think, that uh, considering what he's done in his career, he warrants. Well, I mean, I, I, look, at, I look at where the Astros are. You know, how many days off they've had, the games they've played when they have played. You know, they've got Verlander going in seven days, all this stuff. They're completely healthy in terms of pitching. They've got they've got guys who made 81 regular season starts in the bullpen, for God's sake. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it's not even Dusty can screw this up. I mean, I hate to say it. I love Dusty, but <laughs> the only way he screws the, he may have he may have too many. Too many options, but I, but I think one of the, the things Dusty's at his best when he keeps it simple. I think Jeff, and yeah. this actually should be this should be pretty simple, barring you know four days of rain in New York or yeah. Justin Verlander tearing his calf muscle or something like that. It seems to me you've got you've got Verlander, <clears throat> Valdez, McCullers. 
I would use McCullers at home because his numbers are better, but Dusty used him in Seattle, and, you know, he certainly didn't uh-huh. implode in that game. You've got Garcia. If you play this right, your only decision is, who do I pitch in game three because that dude may have to go on short rest in game seven, and I've got options if something happened. Like, I just don't see how he... Yeah, but, he, I, I mean, what their bullpen, Jeff, is so deep with Presley, uh, Montero, Stanek, Naris, Abreu, Hunter Brown. Did you see Hunter Brown pitch, by the way? Oh, God. Oh. Jesus. Tell me that. Tell me that the Astros aren't going to trade. That they're not going to trade a starting pitcher this offseason, Jeff. Because I mean, I mean the they, were, they were looking. They were they were looking into doing it at the deadline. By the way, and and I say this all, all to bring up the point: if Dusty Baker wanted, he could theoretically go with a five man rotation and sure. pitch Christian Javier somewhere in there, or mm-hmm. pitch Jose or Keedy somewhere in there. Yeah. I mean, ha- Javier. Uh, you know, aside from Verlander, um, and, and listen, Framber Valdez is a workhorse. Love him. I think he's the most underrated pitcher in baseball. Um, but Christian Javier was was the most dominant in that rotation, and he can't even crack it. And part of that is because he's been a reliever and has been effective and is comfortable in that spot. That fastball, though, um, it's it's not the hardest. You know, it's uh, typically ninety five, ninety six, somewhere in that range, but. Uh, ever since he's been in the low minor leagues, you talk with guys about Christian Javier's fastball, and they say it's an invisible. the the way The way he hides it, and the um, you know the the tunnel through which it comes, batters have a really really difficult time picking it up. And the fact that you can go to a guy who threw 150 innings of 250 ERA baseball this year. And he's a relief pitcher, and maybe your fifth starter in the playoffs. It's yeah. it's just absurd the depth and the talent that they have. If there is one thing that could come back to bite him in the butt, it's that they don't have a left-handed reliever to match up. Mm-hmm. Um, but so many of their guys, whether it's it's Naris and Stanek uh, with their splits, or Presley uh, with with his cutter. Uh, or Montero with his breaking ball, all of them have the types of pitches that can neutralize left-handed hitters. Um, so I I don't worry about the Astros. I think if they lose this series against the Yankees, it will be one of those only in baseball things because that's how much better they are than everyone who's left. Jeff, we're going to let you run. I know you've got a couple of off days before you uh, head over to Philadelphia, so uh, I know you'll well, you've got stuff to do, and you've also got family time, so we appreciate you yep. doing this, man. Travel safely. Thanks a lot. Boys, the pleasure is always mine. Talk soon. Take care. Jeff Passan, MLB Insider with ESPN. It's true, Kev. Not even Dusty can screw this up. I, well, we did see him turn Cal Raleigh around and throw Naris split finger against him. Mm-hmm. That'll make you wonder. That's a gut thing. That's not a khaki telling him to do that because Cal Raleigh's got, what do you have, 30 homers, 27 of them were – Hitting left-handed. Now, I know Naris' split finger is really, really good. Nobody can hit it. But that math there just doesn't make sense, does it? So maybe you, that thing. How would you use Luis Garcia in this series? He does five real good innings against the Mariners on the road. How would you he, use him? Does he get be, one of the starts for you? Absolutely. Your game three or game four starter? Absolutely. Javier and Arquidia are my bullpen. 
I yeah. can go. I can do long relief. I, they're they're used to doing that. It's not a big deal for them. Luis Garcia has been really good. He throws hard enough. He can locate. He's unpredictable. Uh, you know, you sprinkle him in against the with the other three big boys. Like you got one A, one B, and and two A, and then you sprinkle in Garcia. Like that's that's about as no brainer as you can get. And again, if they can score enough runs and don't beat themselves, I I just don't see this going any other way. I just don't. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm with you. By the way, uh, this is interesting. Cheryl uh, Fullerton, uh, longtime listener, is uh, kind of on the same page as you. I think I know she's been talking about this for a while now, uh, but she's just wondering. You know, we talk a lot about the bullpen and and how this postseason is showing you need power arms. She's wondering, Kevin, is a left-handed bat is? Do you think that maybe that's not at least as important as a power arm right now, or do you think the power bullpen arm is still the the pressing priority? I, I, I go think back and forth in this. I think it's both. I think you want to win a World Series, you got to have both. If you want to make a deep run, it's pitching. If you want to win the World Series, it's both. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I go like I said, I go back and forth in this. I I just I don't know if the, I want to. I shouldn't have to trade for a power bullpen arm, Kevin. I should be able to find one or develop it the way other teams have. How would the right-handed lineup for the Jays look against Wheeler? How would the right-handed lineup oh. look against Darvish? How would it look against Verlander? How yeah. would it look against McCullers Jr.? Do I need to keep going? Yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm win a World you. Series, you got to have balance. you got to make these guys throw something they don't want to throw. Maybe they don't have the feel of the breaking ball, which is their third best pitch. But because you're left-handed, you got an uppercut in your swing. They don't throw their slider. It's That's the point, right? It's the it's the Schwarber thing yesterday. It's that cutter or that slider, whatever it is, right down the middle, that a righty could miss, roll over that thing because you're cheating to hit 97. You get it if you're left-handed. You go back leg city, Jeff. You hold it. Look at me. I just went second deck. Yeah, baby. I was going to say back leg city, man. That back leg city is not supposed to be that high up in a ballpark. It's not. It's where the big like boys live. Saying. That's a young Barker right there, boy. Yeah, Real young. You. Real young. Yeah, in his <laughs> dreams. That's an in his dreams young Kevin Barker. That's it for us today. Uh, we'll be back from 11 to noon Eastern tomorrow on Sportsnet 590. The fan, enjoy the baseball. If you're listening to us via podcast, please, please, please rate and review. Give Mr. Barker five stars. It means a lot to him. It warms his heart. It warms my heart as well. Have a great day and enjoy the baseball. Enjoy the baseball.